Welcome to NBA Talk with Isaac Wolf. I am your host, Isaac Wolf. Today, we have for you my mock draft. Picks 1 through 14, my lottery mock. But first, we have our first trade of the offseason. The Grizzlies send Jonas Valanciunas, the number 17 and number 51 picks, to the Pelicans for Steven Adams, Eric Bledsoe, the number 10 and number 40 picks, as well as a 22 first-round pick. That is top 10 protected. Apparently, these teams weren't content with their big men. Valanciunas and Adams are very similar players. Jonas can just shoot a little more. I don't know why they had to throw the big men into that deal. But they did. I mean, it could have just been Bledsoe and the picks straight up. But the Grizzlies now get a top 10 pick this year to add to their already stud young core with Ja, Jaron, Brandon Clark, and Xavier Tillman. Smart move by the Grizzlies, honestly. Eric Bledsoe is... Talking to Memphis about a buyout, they're trying to get reach a buyout agreement because he has a hefty contract that nobody wants to deal with. So don't expect him to be in a Grizzlies uniform next season. He will probably be dumped within the next few weeks. The offseason rumors are heating up. Draft day is tomorrow. And free agency just a few days, maybe a week or two after that. Bradley Beal is considering requesting a trade from the Washington Wizards. He reportedly would welcome joining teams like the Boston Celtics, the Golden State Warriors, the Miami Heat, and the Philadelphia 76ers. As for Boston, a Beal-Brown swap would make sense. I mean, we know Tatum's untouchable. They have plenty of uh, uh, centers and and picks to package with Brown if they want to. But Beal-Brown deal straight up, like just those two, that'd be a pretty fair swap. Jalen Brown's... Still on the up. I mean, you know, he just got named to his first all-star team this year. So that could be an interesting situation. Golden State, the Warriors' interest in Beal has increased more and more recently. But I don't think it's going to happen because the Warriors all of a sudden don't want to trade their seven, number 7 and 14 picks. And I thought that would be the main part of the package. But they could potentially piece Wiggins and Oubre together or something like that in a future pick or two, or three. So if, if Beal joins Steph Clay, Steph Clay and Dre, I mean, that's that's a super team in the West. For, as for Miami, it's not going to happen. They say they're in the running for everyone, and nothing ever happens. Every Miami trade rumor is just a rumor, with the exception of Oladipo. That's the only Heat rumor that has ever come true. <laughs> So I don't think anybody's going to Miami this summer, especially with the way they perform this season. In Philly, Simmons would probably be the main piece. And there is mutual interest between Simmons and the Wizards because the Wizards, the Wizards, Raptors, and Heat, I think, are the top three candidates for Simmons right now. But if, if, if Washington got Simmons from that deal, it would put them in a tough spot because they, they would have two point guards then with a lack of shooting. One who doesn't shoot at all. Westbrook at least takes shots and makes him 30% of the time. I mean, they do most of their offensive damage in the paint. Maybe you put Simmons at the four. I don't know if I like that fit, though. The Lakers? The Lakers rumors are going crazy right now. Russ and Chris Paul are the main names. The Lakers want a veteran point guard. Not just any type of veteran. They want a stud all-star 
Hall of Fame caliber <laughs> veteran point guard Chris Paul and Russell Westbrook are who they're looking at right now. Mark Spears reported that the trade package for Westbrook would include Kyle Kuzma, Dennis Schroeder, and Taylor Horton Tucker. If I was the Wizards, I would not do that deal. I mean, the Lakers don't have anything of equal value to give. I mean, yeah, most trades are uneven these days, with the exception of, frankly, Westbrook's past two. You know, he got swapped for Paul and swapped for John Wall, but... The Lakers have just shown interest in Chris Paul. So has LeBron. Maybe that Game 5 appearance was a recruiting trip. Uh, anyway, if they could get, I mean, either of those two, it'd be over in the West. It'd set up an amazing finals. One superstar trio versus another Nets Lakers. But who knows? With injuries and what we saw this season, it could be Clippers Hawks. I don't know. <laughs> some Something dumb like that. DeMar DeRozan and Kyle Lowry are looking to team up once again. But this time in LA with the Lakers, that would be unbelievable. That would be the best starting five since the KD's war since the KD Warriors, in my opinion. Kyle Lowry, Demar Derozan, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and literally any center <laughs> that's at least a seventy-five overall in two K would be compatible. That would be an incredible lineup. And honestly, I would love to see those two re- reunite. It was really sad how their time ended in Toronto. One got the title, one didn't, even though DeRozan was so key in building the Raptors up to, you know, borderline championship contention. But you got to do what you got to do to win in this league. And, you know, the Raptors certainly did that. (laughs) Got rid of DeRozan, got Leonard, won it in the one year that he was with the Raptors. As far as draft trade rumors, the Rockets are still aggressively continuing to try and get the number one pick from the Pistons. Now, this was like yesterday when that was reported. I don't think... I don't think it's going to happen. I think those rumors are like, you know, quieting down a little bit. But the Rockets know they can't get Cade Cunningham without it. And, you know, it sounds like they want him. But they will take, they will take, it sounds like he's a lock to Jalen Green at number two. If the Rockets stay at two, they'll probably take Jalen Green. They're also looking at trying to get the number 13 pick from the Pacers. Trying, They're trying to send Eric Gordon there. They're trying to do a Gordon pick 13 swap and then... In order to get the number one pick, they would probably package two and 13 together, throw in another player. I don't know. Who knows? Maybe they even throw in John Wall there. But it's very interesting. We haven't seen this much action for the number one pick in terms of pre-draft trade talk, uh, trade talk recently, especially between one and two. The Thunder offered Shea Gilgis Alexander and the number six pick to Detroit for the number one overall pick, and Detroit declined. Detroit declined a trade for Shea Gilders Alexander and the number six picks. And honestly, I would have declined it as well because I think Cade Cunningham is going to end up being a better player than Shea Gilders Alexander will be. Gilders Alexander is certainly better now. And who knows what they would use that number six pick for. You know, that would end up, that could be a duo, you know, Gilders Alexander and number six pick, whoever that is, compared to, you know, just Cade Cunningham. But I. I honestly would have declined it too, even though it's a very, very tempting, you know, pleasing to the eye offer. The Raptors and the Magic, the Raptors have the number four pick and then the Magic have the number five pick. They both have offered trades. Magic actually have five and eight, but they both have offered trades to the Cavs for the number three pick. The Cavs like Mobile a lot. I doubt there will be any movement there. Let's talk about Team USA. They lost again. To France, 83-76 to in their first game in the Olympics. 
snapped a 25-game win streak in the Olympics. Their last loss was 2004 when they had that sad bronze performance. Evan Fournier had 28 points. And Boston Celtics card, if you don't remember who that is. And he said this afterwards, quote, they are better individually, but they can be beaten as a team. And that's absolutely true. That is one of the <laughs> that is one of the truest statements I've heard all year. It did come down to, you know, just three open threes late that they missed in a row. Levine missed one. They got an offensive rebound. Durant missed one. They got an offensive rebound. Draymond missed one. I think it was Draymond. Missed one. This team still hasn't meshed. They still don't know what they're doing. They're not playing like a team. And sure, there's plenty of excuses. COVID, new coach, players in and out of the lineup. But at the end of the day, you still have the best players. You still have the best team. You have to find a way to make it work. Or... Maybe it's time to stop blaming the players and start looking at the coach. Greg Popovich, he's not off the hook either. Coach K never lost an Olympic game. One game overall after he took over the program, that was a FIBA game, like the World Championships in 2006. That doesn't mean hardly anything. Pop is off to an 0-1 start. That's not good. Greg's got to find a way to get these players on the same page. I think defense is honestly their main problem more than offense. They're outsized in a lot of games and don't give a lot of effort on that side of the ball. The rest of the world has legit talent now. You have to compete on both ends of the floor and work together to win games. Now, yes, they did beat Iran last night by 54, I think. It was 120 to 66, I think is what I saw. So, but that's Iran. Like, who plays basketball in Iran? You got you got to look out for France, who they lost to. You got to look out for Australia, Slovenia. Luka Doncic scored 48 points in his Olympic debut for Slovenia. That's terrifying for the rest of the world. All right, when we come back, it is time for my lottery mock draft. Picks 1 through 14. Who's going where? Don't go anywhere. Welcome back to NBA Talk with Isaac Wolf. I am your host, Isaac Wolf. It is time for my lottery mock draft. Who's going number one overall? The Pistons are trying to make it somewhat of a mystery when you have Cade Cunningham. They're deciding between Cade Cunningham, Jalen Green, and Evan Mobley. They still have not made a decision, supposedly. That or they're just trying to torture their fan base once again with a with their highest draft pick since, what, 2004 when they picked, or 2003 when they picked Darko Milicic? I don't think you can really go wrong with any of the top three or four prospects in this draft, but <laughs> let's hope they don't mess this up. Because Cade Cunningham from Oklahoma State is the consensus number one pick and my number one pick in this mock draft. The hype for him is increasing as we get closer to the draft. Mike Smith, draft analyst for ESPN, said, quote, there's an argument to be made that Cunningham is the third best top pick we've seen in the past decade. I don't know who he compared him to, but which would lead me to project him as an all-star in his first two or three years in the NBA and a long-time all-NBA type player. This is what teams are getting in Cade Cunningham. You know, he's a Luka Doncic type player. LeBron James type versatility. You know, basically, they're, they're very similar. LeBron's just a little more athletic. 6'8", 220, has a great feel for the game. He's a shot creator. He's able to create space, you know, with hesitations and step backs. His offense is really just top tier overall. Average 20 points per game at Oklahoma State. He's a great passer. His size certainly helps with that, his height, I should say. He's very smart, patient, can make almost any pass imaginable, no matter how tight the window, just makes plays that, you know, really wow you when you when you watch him. 
He's a better passer than he is a playmaker. He has the ability to get the ball to his teammates, sometimes not in position to score, though. He does turn the ball over too much, forces some passes. As far as his post skills, his size makes him a good post scorer because he can post up other point guards and wings. He's really a mismatched nightmare for smaller guards. Defense, there's upside. He's versatile. He does need to improve his lateral quickness. He's kind of slow. Smaller guards will blow by him at the next level, but his length can kind of help uh, without with, with that to start his career. Overall, just a really, really solid prospect. Offensively, he's got it all. He's more of a scorer than a shooter. Better passer than playmaking or playmaker than, but he can certainly improve on those aspects to take his offensive game to the next level. Defensively, he's versatile, just a little slow. Very few holes in his game, though. The more I look into him, the more I see he is a very complete prospect, one that all the scouts are raving about. The clear selection here for the Pistons or the Rockets, whoever gets his number one pick, although I think the Pistons will keep it. I don't understand why they would ever trade the number one overall pick unless you get, you know, a top 10 player in the NBA for it. I predict he will have a very similar career start to that of Luka Doncic. Number two, the Rockets, I believe, will take Jalen Green from the G League Ignite. It seems like a lock for Houston if they keep this pick, which I think they will. The Rockets love the idea of a Kevin Porter Jr. Jalen Green backcourt, and with good reason. They would they would have to move on from Wall at some point if they want this to work. Yes, Porter and Green are both very young, but at the same time, you need them to develop together. So I don't really think Green should play the three i think porter should be the one green should be the two porter wants to be the point guard but that means wall has to you know get kicked out at some point he's older he's getting less productive kpj is trending upwards his play after his play in the nba after getting called up from the g league bubble was spectacular i think he has all-star potential so does Jalen green he plays like zach levine he's a thinner zach levine he's only 165 pounds so Certainly needs to add weight, but head at the rim type athleticism, future dunk contest champ, in my opinion. He's a top tier scorer, averaged 18 points per game in the G League bubble against grown men, most with some sort of NBA experience. You know, he can, he can create any shot he wants, Bradley Beal-like, really, in terms of scoring ability. Crafty finisher at the rim because of his athleticism. He shot 36% from three, could easily become a 40% shooter from out there. His free throw percentage suggests that he has the touch to do it. Can score from all three levels, at the rim, mid-range, three-pointer. He's really an exciting player to watch on offense. He is a streaky shooter, though, so got to watch out for that. He got better throughout the season as a defender and a passer. He has playmaking potential. He's not as selfish as you think he would be with how flashy he is on offense but he's willing to make the extra pass can get carried away at times trying to create his own shot but i'm confident enough in his ability to get a good shot i'm not really too concerned about it he needs better timing and accuracy on his passes if he wants to you know take his playmaking to the next level defensively not very attentive or detailed on that side of the ball uh unfortunately his stance is sometimes lazy and you know his thin frame limits his versatility he can't really handle big guards foot speed isn't an issue when he gives effort he can keep up with anyone on the perimeter he just can't take a physical beating you know because he's 165 pounds he does perhaps have the most upside of anyone in this draft that's what mike schmitz was saying perfect modern day wings uh, wing in terms of athleticism shot making ability really his entire offensive game is perfectly suited for the nba just needs to focus more on defense if he wants to become you know a coach's dream two-way wing i think 
this kid has superstar potential, and I think he could, in four or five years, be a James Harden-level scorer, you know, be James Harden's replacement in Houston. Is he going to average 36 a game like Harden did, or 34 a game? No, probably not, but he could, be, he could get up there in the 27, 28, 30-point-per-game range if he keeps improving. Number three, the Cleveland Cavaliers select, I think, Evan Mobley from USC. I love this dude. He's a seven-footer who can do everything. Pause. Yes, I know I used to have Cunningham, Mobley, and Suggs, but it appears I I have looked more into Jalen Green because I watched way more college than I did G League this year. As soon as I heard Green committed to the Ignite, I'm like, well, I'm not really watching you because, yeah, it's the G League. But now all of a sudden, with what scouts are saying, with what, executives are saying it sounds like green is going to be and what i've done uh, you know with my research it sounds like green's going number two and he's capable even of going number one he said he wants to live in detroit and he thinks he's the best player in the draft and he thinks he showed the pistons in their workout with him that he's the best player in the draft so we'll see what happens maybe number one isn't such a lock i don't know anyway back to mobley going number three to the Cavs from usc he is a seven footer who can do literally everything he has Rudy Gobert's size, and he will be way better than Rudy. Why? Because he can do everything that Gobert can't, and that's a lot. <laughs> Mobley can protect the rim and rebound in at an elite level, switch onto the perimeter, shoot, pass, make plays, dribble, make plays off the dribble, and dominate the paint on offense. Now let's go into each of those strengths a little bit more in depth. Rim protection. His rim protection is elite. 7-4 with a 7-4 wingspan. Terrific shot blocker. Average three blocks per game at USC. Doesn't get into foul trouble very often, which is impressive for someone his size. His rebounding may be my favorite attribute about him. I mean, he cleans the glass like nobody's business. He gives all his effort to rebound the ball. 8.6 rebounds per game on offense and on defense. You know, he constantly gives his team extra possessions with his ability to rebound the ball. In terms of switching on defense, he's so versatile. He can actually guard the perimeter, unlike Rudy Gobert. He has the quickness to keep up with guards. So he can switch head head screens, drop, whatever he needs to do to stop the uh, opposition. He's able and willing to do it at a high level. His shooting is not amazing yet, at least from outside. Just 31% from three on 35 attempts. He has touched, though. The mid-range is adequate. But he may lack upside in terms of extending his range because he's just an average free throw shooter, 70%. And usually, you know, you look at players' free throw percentages to see if they have that touch away from the basket to have the potential to shoot from outside later in their career. But he still, you know, makes enough from out there to force the defense to respect him. And when he does shoot from out there and when he is knocking threes down, it opens up a world of options for the rest of the team. And Mobley himself on offense spaces the floor out, opens up driving and cutting lanes. Doesn't necessarily have to focus on that right now. Could be a key to his development, though. As far as his passing goes, he's unselfish. An accurate passer. And his height clearly helps him to see the floor better than most because he's seven feet tall. He could probably play a Demonis Sabonis or Bam at a biotype role where he parks at the elbow and the offense runs around him. He can also, you know, grab the rebound and go coast to coast. His ball handling is incredible. (laughs) Not incredible. It's good. It's good. It's incredible for his size, but it's just, you know, pretty good. Above average. At seven feet, (laughs) going coast to coast, being able to finish on the other end without, without turning the ball over. That's all you need to know. 
Perfect pick and roll player. Can pop, roll, attack off the dribble, shoot a little hook shot, or catch lobs. So many options with him for the point guard in the pick and roll. I mean, he's got a lead upside in that regard. Just needs a quality point guard to mesh. Unfortunately, Cleveland is looking at trading Sexton right now, or at least they're listening to offers for him, whatever that means. They may not have, so so Mobley may not have that to start his career. Evan Mobley would normally be a number one pick in almost any draft other than this one. That's how talented he is, and that's how deep this draft is. Jalen Green could be a number one pick in a normal year. That's just how crazy good this draft is. Let's talk about Jalen Suggs from Gonzaga because I think he's going number four to the Raptors. Perhaps my favorite prospect in this draft. Everybody knows he's got it. We saw the tournament run. We saw the logo shot in the final four. Jalen Suggs is the real deal, and here's why. Kyle Lowry's future in Toronto is in doubt right now as he is a pending free agent. Suggs is the perfect replacement because they're basically the same player. Suggs is just more athletic. He's NBA ready, great playmaker, vision, you know, really is unmatched at his size, just 6'4", but he sees the floor incredibly well. He's unselfish, looks for the extra pass in half-court sets, and gets it ahead on the break. His athleticism allows him to hang in the air and finish tough shots at the rim, He's so he, and he's 205 pounds, so he can bang around on the inside as well. He's also fast, which gives the defense less time to react. Very quick first step. He's a 35% three-point shooter. May see some adjustment early on with the line moving back a bit, but I believe... He'll, he'll end up being a really good shooter. He can play off the ball, too. His basketball IQ is very, very high. He can cut, relocate, screen, shoot off the catch. He really fits in wherever on offense. As the point or the two guard, he can play either or. On defense, he's just a competitor. He shuts down anyone he's guarding, whether it's the star or a role player. He can get it done on that end of the floor. Off the ball, he's focused, almost never loses focus of the ball or his man. And, you know, really his only weakness is that he's a streaky shooter. He's a really complete prospect. Sometimes you wish he had a f- you, you, you wish maybe he had a few more inches. But he proved throughout the season that he's got enough size and athleticism to do quality damage. The best quality about him, though, in my opinion, is he is a leader. He's confident. He doesn't shy away from the moment. He's a great point guard. Point guards are supposed to be leaders. And his teammates like and respect him. And his effort sets the right example on both ends of the floor. Jalen Suggs is the perfect replacement for Kyle Lowry and the Toronto Raptors at number four. At number five, the Magic are going to take, in my opinion, should take Scotty Barnes from Florida State. I used to think Jonathan Kuminga was going here, but from what I've heard and seen reported, Scotty Barnes is growing on a lot of people's radar, and it sounds like he's the guy the Magic want at five. So yes, I'm kind of using other deep inside knowledge to predict that, but Barnes is a great defender. Top three in this draft. His physical profile really is what makes him such a lockdown guy. He's a he's a bulky 6'8", 225 with a 7'3", wingspan. One inch short of Evan Mobley's wingspan to give you an idea. He always gives effort, never takes a playoff. He's relentless. On bad days, he's still a good defender. And at his best, he's destined to be named multiple all-defensive first teams and has the potential to win Defensive Player of the Year at some point. One of the things that makes him unique is he's a great playmaker. He's listed as a wing, but he he really played point guard for Florida State. If you watched their games last year, he brought the ball up. He ran the offense. He's not a scorer or a shooter. His jump shot needs a lot of work. 
But that playmaking ability combined with the defensive prowess will get him places in this league because there are plenty of guys who can put up points in the NBA. If Barnes can give you 7 to 11 points a night to start his career on top of his defensive contributions, that should be a winning combination. Maybe not on the magic, but that's not the point. Number six, the Oklahoma City Thunder. I've heard they're tied to James Booknight from, from UConn, but I think they should take Jonathan Kuminga because if they take Booknight, they already have, they just traded for Kemba Walker and they have Shea Gilgis Alexander. Their backcourt is set. Okay, and they need another wing to go with Lou Dort. Jonathan Kuminga, in my opinion, is the best player available at this point in the draft with all the guys that have been taken before him. This guy, I think he's better than Scotty Barnes, but sounds like the magic wand Barnes. Kuminga is athletic, very raw. You know, his development will take a few years, but it's worth investing in. His frame gives him the defensive potential you know, that surpasses a lot of other prospects in this draft. He just has to focus in and give effort to that side of the ball. Playing with intensity defensively is something that he needs to work on. And if he does, it will do wonders for him on that end. On offense, his jump shot isn't there yet, but he doesn't lack confidence, which is key. He does have shot-creating ability, can handle the ball and get to the rim in one or two steps with long strides. And once he's at the rim, he's so athletic and ambidextrous, he can finish just about everything. His calling card on offense right away will be, you know, being a slasher. If he just develops his skills, though, he could be a top three or four player or two, honestly, in this draft when it's all said and done. So I think the Thunder should actually take Jonathan Kuminga. I think they're going to take Jonathan Kuminga at number six. With the number seven pick, with the seventh overall pick in the draft, I think the Warriors are going to take Donovan, excuse me, (laughs) Davion Mitchell from Baylor. I said Donovan because they're basically, they're like the exact same player. When I first watched this guy play, I thought he was his brother. You would think they were like twins or something. I mean, they have the same last name. Their first name starts with a D and they both wear number 45. And they both play very similar. They have very similar games. It's it's crazy. Like you, I genuinely thought... These guys were brothers. I thought, you know, I had to do my research to find out they're not related at all, which is unbelievable. But anyway, Davion Mitchell from Baylor. He is the best defender in this draft. He is is Patrick Beverly type intensity on that side of the ball. He, He doesn't get out of control emotionally, though. He's not Patrick Beverly who's going to get texts and become an out of control pest all the time. But he will shut down anyone who tries to come his way. He's so quick. His footwork allows him to keep up with literally anyone in the world, honestly, on the court. He has active hands, two steals per game in college. He plays a lot bigger than his six foot, six one frame would suggest. He's physical on that end. He plays with a certain intensity that no one else in this draft does. He's a dog, as some would say. He'll take charges dive for loose balls, switch on to bigger guys and bother them. He can fight through screens and stick with his man. He's just a complete package on defense. Worthy of consideration as high as pick number five, in my opinion, because on offense, he took such a big leap this year. He's great, you know, on that end of the floor as well. 
He's a knockdown three-point shooter, 45% from three last year. He can finish at the rim with either hand, plays with patience, passes the ball well. He's a good floor general, and he has an explosive first step that allows him to create his own shot as good as anyone besides, you know, maybe Jalen Green and Kate Cunningham in this draft class. And he can handle pressure, never panics with the ball in his hands. He is a top-tier two-way threat that can impact winning immediately, especially if a contending team trades into the top 10 this is the guy you want, and this is why I think the Warriors should take Mitchell. Davion Mitchell proved last season at Baylor that he is more than capable on both ends to compete at a high level and make winning plays, as shown by the tournament championship he won last year with the Bears. We are halfway through the lottery. Let's do a quick review, and then we'll take a break. Number one. Cade Cunningham to the Pistons. Number two, Jalen Green to the Rockets. Number three, Evan Mobley to the Cavs. Number four, Jalen Suggs to the Raptors. May I remind you, this is not predicting trades because draft day trades are the most unpredictable thing in the history of the NBA. Number five, the Magic. Scotty Barnes to the Magic. Number six, Jonathan Kuminga to the Thunder. And number seven, Davion Mitchell to the Warriors. Don't go anywhere. We still have the second half of the lottery to do. Welcome back to NBA Talk with Isaac Wolf. I am your host, Isaac Wolf. I promise this is the last segment. We have the second half of the lottery to do. Picks 8 through 14 to predict. The Magic have the number 8 pick. And in my opinion, they're going to take I think they're going to take James Booknight from UConn. He is one of the biggest risers in this draft. His stock has shot up lately into the top 10 because he's been knocking down threes in workouts. One of the main concerns with this guy was his ability to shoot outside shots, but he's shown he's capable of consistency from out there, I guess, in the workouts. Booknight is an explosive scorer. He's super athletic, quick first step, can dunk on anybody. He's a really acrobatic finisher, and, you know, he uses that uber athleticism to his benefit his offensive game is centered around the way he can blow by and finish on defenders inside he uses you know his slippery ball handling to create space and has the ability to hit tough contested shots off you know step backs side steps pull-ups whatever he's a bucket getter he's got the speed to keep up and potentially lock down defensively but he needs more consistency on that end he's not a playmaker he's better suited as a two guard right now but that's also a risk because he's not much of a shooter. He forces passes, also misses opportunities. He averaged less than two assists per game last season, so clearly that area of his game needs work. But the offensive upside is worth the pick here for Orlando. Just hope that the jumper gets more consistent and is true to what has been shown in the pre-draft workouts. The Sacramento Kings have the number nine pick. And Franz Wagner makes sense here from Michigan. The Kings have a lot of interest in this guy. He's 6'9 with about with a with a seven foot wingspan about. He's a terrific three and D wing, can knock down threes as a spot up shooter. And he's a, he's a decisive scorer. He's very smart. He knows when to attack when he has the ball. He's a, just a smart player on offense in all aspects. Keeps the ball moving, re, uh, relocates, cuts, screens, and on his cuts, he has great timing. As a playmaker, he's he's actually pretty special. Doesn't turn the ball over. Great ability to see the floor and make plays off the dribble. Very versatile. Can play two through perhaps four on offense with the way the NBA is going small ball. And he can guard one through four. On offense, 
It can be the screener or the ball handler, which that's really unique. Defense is his best attribute. He reads plays. He's an impactful off-ball defender, active hands in the passing lanes. On ball, he can lock down anyone his size and is quick enough to guard smaller guards as well. He'll put up a fight against bigs too, although at some point he will get bullied down low. He's just a really versatile player overall. He probably won't become a go-to scorer because of his lack of ability to create off the dribble, but that's not the worst thing in the world. He also doesn't use his left hand as much as he should, but all that takes is a little fundamental work, and that can be fixed. Not an explosive athlete, but versatility and long arms make up for it. Quality pick for the Kings here to go with De'Aaron Fox and Buddy Heald and Harrison Barnes at number nine, but there is the potential that the Kings trade Buddy Heald and Marvin Bagley. So we'll see what that, how that turns out. Number 10, the Memphis Grizzlies have the pick. And here's who I predict. Josh Giddey, Giddy. I apologize if I mispronounced that. I'm going to go with Giddey because he came from Australia. The Adelaide... Adelaide 36ers. I don't know Australian cities. I apologize for that as well. But this is who Memphis wants. This is who they were aiming for when they traded Valanciunas and they made that trade. They may have to trade up again. The Warriors are looking at him as well at at number seven. But Gide is a playmaker. Think, you know, Joe Ingles type. He's six foot eight, but he plays mostly guard. His shooting and defense are still big question marks. But Having a tall playmaker of his caliber is a good addition for any team. He has a good change of play, a uh, good change of pace, manipulates the defense, understands angles and passing windows better than most. He's an accurate and ambidextrous passer who can use either hand to get it to a teammate in scoring position, whether they realize they're in it or not. His size makes him a solid rebounding guard. He does have the ability to finish at the rim. Outside is not the spot, though. His mechanics need revising, just not a good spot-up shooter. And on defense, he's not quick enough or strong enough to keep up with hardly anybody so some big holes but a lot of upside and honestly the Grizzlies have enough offensive and defensive mainly defensive weapons that Gide Giddy whatever is worth the pick with the 11th pick in the draft I predict that the Hornets will take Kai Jones from Texas the Hornets are looking for a new center Cody Zeller's not cutting it and Bismack Biombo's getting older so the pick makes sense to be Kai Jones here he's a great rim running threat he's bouncy lob catcher finishes at the rim above the rim honestly with ease he's got a jumper too with his 610 uh, frame that's deadly he shot over 39% from three last season now yes it was a very limited amount of attempts but his perimeter skills are raw too you know that makes his potential almost limitless on defense he is so mobile he can keep up with almost anybody and he's ready he's always in his stance which makes opposing guards hesitate because he can elevate and send their uh send their shot into the stance his rim protection is top tier unfortunately he doesn't have much of a post game but that you know can certainly be developed although he may need some more weight added to him if for it to really do anything he is a very hesitant player not a quick decision maker passing pump fakes a lot needs to get quicker in that regard and there are some fundamental issues like defensive rotations because he started playing at age 15 which was only five years ago he's 20 now and he's got a big learning curve that teams have to be willing to deal with but 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 the potential on this kid is so enticing i think he's worth the risk for charlotte at number 11 the hornets are also looking at trading for miles turner too that would be a great 
you know, veteran. It's crazy to think he's like a veteran now. He's like seven years into his career. That'd be a great veteran for Kai Jones to learn from. Number 12. The Spurs have the pick. And I think they're going to take Usman Garuba from Real Madrid. Top three defender in this draft. I apologize if I mispronounced that name as well. But top three defender in this draft. That's why teams would take him at this point. He's such a standout defensively. His raw offensive game isn't as much of a concern. He had the duty of guarding Kevin Durant in one of the exhibition games. You know, Team USA's exhibition games. He plays for Spain. And he held KD to 14 points. He held Kevin Durant to 14 points. He plays with aggression and effort on defense. Always locked in on his matchup. Very active. Deflections. Steals. Blocks. Hustles. Like crazy to make all those plays. Can guard basically one through five. Two through five at at an elite level. On offense, he's a pretty good passer, actually. Hey, he has the ability to grab the rebound and go end-to-end, make a play on the fast break. Another thing, he's a great rebounder because he's so strong and active. His shot isn't there yet, 31% from three. That's somewhat respectable, but defenses will take their chances with him and leave him open. 65% from the free throw line doesn't show a lot of touch outside the paint, so maybe that jump shot doesn't get up to par. But again, his defense is so worth the pick here for the Spurs, who have a history of getting the best from international players. So, Garuba makes sense. With the 13th pick in the draft, I think the Pacers are going to pick Corey Kispert from Gonzaga. He's the best shooter in this draft. 44% from three last year on a high volume of attempts. He's got a quick release, can shoot off the catch or off the dribble at an elite level. Potential, you know, 50, 40, 90 player. That's the kind of efficiency we're talking about with Corey Kispert. He gets to his spots in a simple manner. A dribble or two, cutting, you know, to his spots. Basically anywhere on the floor is where he can hit from. Doesn't force things, not caught up in fancy shot creation with step backs or anything like that. Makes the simple but effective play. He's a solid defender, too. He stays focused on and off the ball. He has a chance to become a true 3 and D type wing. We'll see if his defense improves with the adjustment of the speed of the game at the next level. Good in college, but maybe a bit slow to start against NBA players. Not a great ball handler, but, I mean, he can't be a lead facilitator for an offense right now. But someday, you know, the potential is there. The Pacers need a sharp shooting wing to pair with Lavert and Brogdon, in my opinion. So, Kispert is perfect for them. And to round out the lottery, the Warriors are going to take, I think, Chris Duarte from Oregon. Another elite shooter. Probably second best in the draft behind Kispert. We know the Warriors like their shooters. This gives them another deadly weapon from the outside. 17 points per game last year, 42% from three. Better spot-up shooter you know, than anything else, really. He's not a great shot creator, but he can knock it down off the catch or off the bounce, honestly. Not only can he hit from the outside, but he's a good finisher as well. On defense, the only weakness is his lateral movement. The effort is there, certainly for rebounding. You know, he hustles and makes plays on the ball. Off ball, he's active and aware, gets his hands in passing lanes, which opens up a lot of seal opportunities. Really underrated prospect, in my opinion. You know, if you pair him with Stephen Clay in the backcourt, the Warriors would be unstoppable from the perimeter. Or you have Stephen Clay starting, and then you have Davion, the way I have it, is Davion Mitchell and Chris Dragway coming off the bench. My goodness. Those are four elite shooters. And, you know, even... He, he, he gives... Duarte gives the Warriors a great replacement option if either one of the Splash, Splash Brothers gets injured. Same with Davion Mitchell. 
The pick for the Warriors makes sense here at 14, since it sounds like it sounds like they're going to keep their picks. So we will quickly recap one through 14. My predictions, my mock draft for the 2021 NBA draft, which happens tomorrow. Number one, Cade Cunningham to the Pistons. Number two, Jalen Green to the Rockets. Number three, Evan Mobley to the Cavs. Number four, Jalen Suggs to the Raptors. Number five, Scotty Barnes to the Magic. Number six, Jonathan Kaminga to the Thunder. Number seven, Davion Mitchell to the Warriors. Number eight, James Booknight to the Magic. Number nine, Franz Wagner to the Kings. Number 10, Josh Gidey to the Grizzlies. Number 11, Kai Jones to the Hornets. Number 12, Usman Garuba to the Spurs. Number 13, Corey Kispert to the Pacers. And number 14, Chris Duarte to the Warriors. Our next episode, we will have draft recap and my true, you know, postseason episode where we go back and look at my preseason predictions. Was I accurate? Was I completely off? That's more like it. But I will also give out my top 10, my list of top 10 NBA players who I think right now, that sentence did not make sense at all, but it's okay. You get what I'm saying. We're going to rank them 10 through 1. Is Giannis the best player in the world after his finals performance? Stay tuned to find out. Although, it will be at least a week and a half because I'm going on vacation. So, 